As we continue our journey through the Word of God, I ask that you would turn your attention to the Gospel according to Luke. Gospel according to Luke, the 23rd chapter, is where our message for the morning is coming from. Our series has been looking at the words in red, those seven last sayings of Jesus Christ from the cross. And we've made it to the seventh saying, a saying that you'll find in Luke's Gospel account, that 23rd chapter, beginning at the 44th verse. When you've made your way there, you'll see words similar to these. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Let's hear the words of our Savior again. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Would you bow your heads with me? Whereas we have acknowledged the power in the name of Jesus, as you've used um, your gifted servants to declare your praise. God, we thank you. Thank you for meeting us in this place. And now as we turn our attention to your word, we ask that the Holy Spirit would guide us to see fresh revelation from your word, that the seed of your word might be deposited into our hearts and our minds, that it might produce fruit for your glory. It is this in that we pray in Jesus' name, amen. He's considered the dean of preachers, Dr. Gardner C. Taylor, a great rhetorician, orish, and homiletician. He was a pastor among pastors, preacher among preachers. He taught preaching and had many preaching engagements. On one occasion, while he was uh, invited to go to a little town in Louisiana, the state that he's from, he went into this town and he was preaching a service in a small church. There at that church, he is preaching from this gospel, from the gospel of Luke. And as he was preaching, something happened, Fred. All the lights went off. And as a preacher who's dependent upon looking at the text, he began to, to kind of fumble and try to feel his way in that moment. Now, to all the our light engineers, I'm not asking you to turn the lights off to make an illustration here. <laughs> but that's where he was. All the lights went off. And as he was trying to figure out, Greg, what he was going to do next, he heard a voice from the back that said, preach on, preacher. We can see Jesus in the dark. I'm trying to help us understand something because it was dark in this context. It was Good Friday. Our Savior is being sacrificed on the cross. 
And the text says that it was dark at a time where it should have been daylight. For it was dark from the third hour, the sixth hour. It was dark from noon to about 3 p.m. It was darkness over the land. And while it was dark, our Savior is suffering. He's suffering on the cross. He's on that cross because he loves us. He, is, he has been beaten and, and bloodied, and, and there he is offering himself as a sacrifice for mankind's sin. And it's dark at a time when th there's no electricity at this time. There are no power plants that are available. There are no emergency exit lights to come on. No, when I say it was dark and you couldn't see in front of you, it was And in the midst of the darkness, the text says that something was taking place. Doug, if we didn't close our Bibles just yet, we, we see then that it says the veil of the temple, the curtain of the temple was torn from the top to the bottom. That's significant for you to catch this. It was torn from the top to the bottom, which means only one person, one, one being would be responsible to be able to do such a feat, and that's God himself. That man could not do this. The, the, the veil of the temple was set in place to really prevent others from going into the holy place. And only the high priest was able to go into the holy place to be with God because there was a barrier in place because of man's sin. And yet, while Christ is dying on the cross, in the midst of darkness, God is doing a work of deliverance. I don't think you heard me just yet. Let me go ahead and break that down for a moment here. It's dark. Uh, they're unable to see forward. They're unable to conceive what's around them, perceive what's around them. And yet, even though they're unable to distinguish what's in front of them, God is working on behalf of them. Okay, some of you right now, you came in and you're in a dark place right now in your life and you're wondering whether or not God sees you, whether or not God knows what's going on in your life. Let this text be a reminder to you that sometimes God does his best work in the dark. You can't see it. You can't feel it. You may not even hear it, but God is working some things out. Even right now, you don't know it. You don't know how he's going to do it, but you will discover that God has a way. He perfects a way of doing some things on your behalf even before he tells you. You're not with me just yet here. Let me tell you how this thing works. Because when the veil of the temple is torn from top to bottom, in the midst of darkness, God provides a way for each and every one of us to be able to come to the throne of grace. Oh, it's, it's, it's dark. It's dark here. It's so dark that Isaiah prophesied about this darkness. In Isaiah, the 60th chapter and the second verse, listen to how he describes it. He says, For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the people. But the Lord will arise upon them, and his glory will be seen upon you. Check this out, what the text prophesies. Is that even though it's dark, even though it's a thick darkness, even though it is, it is depressing, there is a, a shining glory of God that will outshine the darkness. Here, somebody right now, no matter what going on in your life. I want you to know that God is a God of hope. He always has a way for you. And if you place your trust in him, you'll see how he'll even outshine the darkness. Yeah. Yeah. But don't get this thing twisted. He 
is doing a work of deliverance, and it's still dark. They, they don't see what's happening, angel, and yet God is still at work in the darkness. And here Jesus is on the cross as the substitutionary atonement for our sins. Here is Jesus on the cross taking our place while God is working backstage. There's some things happening backstage. This curtain is up. It's hiding what's happening backstage. But if you hang in there long enough, you'll see how what's happening backstage can be a blessing to you on stage. I kind of like the way that sounds. But check it out. Because a Hebrew writer says it this way in the fourth chapter and the 15th verse of Hebrews. He says, for we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. When God ripped the temple curtain in half, what God was saying is that you're welcome to come unto me in your time of need. Nothing has to stand in the way now because Christ has made the way. There's some Bible students in here that knows he declared, I am the way, the truth, and the, and I knew you knew your Bible, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by, but by me. And so here he is on the cross in the midst of darkness. And in the midst of this darkness, in his last act of dying, Jesus teaches us how to live. Because the truth is, you will face some seasons in your life that are going to be dark. I'm not trying to depress you. I'm trying to be real with you. There's some people here who've been living a while, and you can testify that I've had some dark times in my life. Dark times come unexpectedly. Dark times come when you're not even looking for them. You don't invite them in, but they come nonetheless. And you know it's a dark time when you're wondering whether or not God is still with you. Does God see you while you're going through what you're going through? Here's the reality in this text as Christ demonstrates for us how we're to handle our darkness. It reminds us that God is right there with us as we are going through the darkness. I'm still in the text. Because there in the darkness, Christ uh, he prays. Uh, he prays a prayer. And it's interesting because if you've been with us in this series, then you know that the first saying was a prayer of intercession. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And here he goes back to the Father. That, that's, that's a clue. That, that's, that's indication of what we must do when we find ourselves in a painful place. It's right there. For he turns his attention to the Father, and he says, Father. I, we can go on, but we got to park right there. He says, Father, pater in the Greek. He, he speaks to a, rev, a, a realization, really, of a relationship. That when you hear Christ say, Father, in this, this dark, painful place, he turns attention to his relation, relational awareness that his Father is right there with him. Uh, father, that's a, a personal term of relationship. That Not just anybody can call Father. Only those who have a relationship with God knows God, know God as Father. In fact, when the disciples came to Christ and they asked him, teach us to pray, the first thing he said was, our 
I knew you knew it here. It has to be personal, though, because God is not just everybody's father. He's only your father when you know him personally. You're not with me just yet here. Let me go ahead and bring you into our house just for a moment, because there we were. Uh, we were making our way as a family unit, me and my kids. We were making our way as a family unit um, through, through, the, through the rodeo one year. And I remember we were going up uh, and down through the rodeo, and there were some other kids that were with us at the time. Rodeo Houston, don't act like you're so Christian that you haven't gone to rodeo. And then we were, Randy, going through Rodeo Houston, and, and all of a sudden, um, one, one of, the girl, one of my, girl, my girls said this way. She said, she said uh, Daddy, uh, can, can I have um, this and that? And you know, when she puts a Y on it, she can have whatever she wants. You go, get ready, Caleb. It's going to happen in your world, bro. Get ready, get ready. And so, and so, and so she says it, but some girl, the girl next to her friend didn't know our relationship. And she says, why, why do you keep asking that man uh, for stuff? Uh, and he keeps giving it to you. She said, because that man is my daddy. It's a personal relationship. I'm trying to help you understand something. That when you know God for yourself, God then is your father. And you have the assurance that your father sees you, he knows you, and he's right there with you. Relational awareness. Relational awareness is the overarching ability to understand where we are in a relationship. And Jesus expresses awareness of his father's presence. He expresses awareness of his father's position because he says, Father. He turns to his father at his time of need because he knows that his father can be trusted. Um, I'm mindful of the psalmist that reminds us in Psalm 46 and 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. The God is, is right there. And God the Father has always been faithful to Christ. And so the first thing Christ does as he's on this cross is he reaches back into the Hebrew scripture. Because when he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, Doug, what he's saying is really an evening prayer. That all young children growing up in a Jewish household would have known this prayer, into your hands I commit my spirit. It's found there in, in Psalm. In Psalm 31 and 5 is the prayer that says, into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. Check this out. He knew a prayer from young age that connected him to the faithfulness of God. Okay, maybe you didn't know that prayer, but maybe you know the prayer that my mom taught us because she wanted to make sure that we knew how to connect with God. And there she is. I'm so glad you're in the house today, Mom. Uh, thank you for worshiping with us uh, and being all, all the way over here. Yeah, give my mom a hand. Yeah, give my mom a hand. Glad you're in the house here. Uh, but she taught us this prayer. You might know it because every night uh, on our knees we said, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my And of course, you know, we had to add some stuff to that. We said, God bless mama, God bless daddy, God bless grandma, God, God bless everybody. Uh, but here it is. It's, it's an evening prayer. And it's one that Jesus prays that is our of need. What we see here is uh, his relationship with the Father. Uh, but also what we see here it's his prayerful response. He says, into your hands, I commit my spirit. This is a prayer that the way Christ handled the crisis is that he exercised the discipline of prayer. Let me go ahead and tell you, 
It's better to know how to pray before you get into a position where you need to pray. Then to wait till you need to pray in order to start praying. Uh, let me say it another way. Uh, since we always need to pray, you ought not just pray when a problem comes. You ought to be in the practice of prayer before the problem comes. So you're already in relationship with God to the degree that you know that God can be with you and for you when the problem comes. He prays. This is not a reaction. No, no. This is a lifestyle. Because when Jesus was on earth, you could always catch him early in the morning praying to the Father. Late in the evening, he is praying to the Father. He always remained in connection with the Father. In fact, in John 10, Jesus said it this way. In John 10, 17 and 18, he says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I will take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. He's always in connection with the Father. And listen to me, saints of God. If we are going to strive to do all that God has called us to do, if we're going to be what God has called us to be, then we need to get the message from our Messiah on the cross, and that is we must stay focused on God. Always look for the Father, because the Father is always here. You, you're missing it here. Let me help you understand something. God is omnipresent, which means he's everywhere all at the same time. So when we don't see God, it's because we're not looking for God. Ah, and so he turns his attention to the Father, and he offers a prayer. Why? Because he knows the Father hears him. John 11, verse 41, when he's there at the tomb of Lazarus. Listen to how this thing goes down. Because Lazarus was being resurrected from the grave by Christ. And there he says this prayer, so they took the stone away, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Check out verse 42. I knew that you always hear me. Because when you have a relationship with God, you know that God will never forsake you. Amen. You know that God will hear you when you pray. And there are times when God will hear you that he's working things out for you, though you're not hearing from him. He's doing things on your behalf so you can trust him. And so here it is, Christ says, into your hands I commit my spirit. There's a relational awareness. There's a prayerful response. When you find yourself in the midst of persecution and people seem to have, it, have a bullseye on you, before you go off on them, go to God. Before you tell them what time it is, spend some time with God. Before you tell them what T.I. is, you turn your attention to God and hear what God has to say about the situation you're in because God is right there with you in it. Well, if I sit next to you, I just remind you that God is in it with you. Whatever you're going through, wherever you find yourself, God is right there with you. In fact, Jesus said it this way in John 10 and 28. I give them, those who follow him, check out what he says. He says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish 
and no one will snatch them out of my hand. There's something special when you are in relationship with God. For when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you're secured in that relationship. And not even the devil in hell can get you out of the relationship you have with God. It is eternal security when you know him. When you know him, it doesn't matter what anyone else says about you, what to do to you. Because when you're in his hand, God's got you. Baby, this is better than all state. Let me tell you something. When he has his hands on you... He got you for good. It is relational awareness. It is prayerful responsiveness. But, but, but keep looking in the text. For he says, Father, into your hands. He, he, when you've done all that you can do, it's time for you to trust God to do what only Oh, you know it already, huh? What God can do. He says, Father, into your hands. There's some stuff we trust other folk with that we ought not trust other folk with because they can't handle it. And we wonder why they disappoint us when they don't handle it the way we want them to handle it. But there is one who's able to do all things where nothing is impossible for him. And that is the hand of God. It's the hand that created the universe. It's the hand that carved out mankind from the dirt. It's the hand that guided the Israelites when they were in Egyptian captivity. It's the hand that opened up the Red Sea. It's the hand that'll be there for you when you call. It's the hand that rescued Peter from a drowning water. It's the hand that when you call upon him, he'll be right there to receive you. Oh, I, I know. I, I, I get a little excited. I, I don't, Lee, I, I don't even apologize for it anymore. No, no, I don't, I don't apologize for it. I, I don't apologize for getting, getting loud sometimes because I'm biblical. Because if you look at the text, the text says, that Jesus, God in flesh, is so much God that at a time when he should be silent, at a time when all that he's gone through should have zapped away his strength and ability, at a time when the vinegar would have restricted his vocal cords, the Bible says in a loud voice, loud not because God couldn't hear him, because he, Jesus wanted to make sure that we heard him so that we would know what to do when we find ourselves in this kind of situation that we too can trust in the hand of God. In, in, his, in his hand, his, his mighty, mighty hand, uh, because in his hand, you'll find deliverance. In his hand, you'll find peace. In his hand, you'll find forgiveness. But I'm not done yet. In his hand, you'll find power. The kind of power to hold you and hold you back when other folk are trying to get to you. In his hand, you'll find salvation. This is the hand of God. In fact, I'm looking at my mom and I'm getting some flashbacks. I, I hope you don't mind, mom. I'm getting, getting some flashbacks because when I was, when I was younger, um, let, me tell, let me tell you for a minute here. Uh, when I was younger, I, 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 I was told to be in the choir. I, I was, um, no, nobody asked me if I wanted to be in the choir. No, no, nobody inquired whether or not it was something that I wanted to do. No, no, I, I was, Sandy, I, I, was, I was put in the choir. Oh, but, but no, it gets worse than that because not only was I put in the choir, I'm not pointing nobody out. I'm just saying I was put in the choir, and, and, and when I was put in the choir, I was put up to lead a song. This is real talk. In front of the whole church, I had to lead a song, and it, and it was uh, put your hand in the hand of the man who sealed the waters. 
Put your hand in the hand of the man who calms the seas. Take a look at yourself and you'll see things differently when you put your hand in the hand of the man from Galilee. And when I found myself in a journey where I was in a dark place and didn't know where to turn, that song came back to my mind because I remembered that somebody told me that all I do is put my hand in his hand and he'll be to pick me up. He'll be to carry me along the way. He'll be to move things out of my way when I put my hand in his hand. And I don't know who I'm talking to, but right now you've been trying to do things on your own strength and you've been finding out that your strength just won't cut it. Let me introduce to you a God above all gods, the one who says, when you trust in me, I will make a way for you. That's what the proverb says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and check out what he's going to do. He's going to direct your path. He's going to make your pathway straight because nobody can do it like my God can do it. Nobody can move like my God can move. Nobody can change things the way my God can change things. And we have to trust him. Christ, Christ says, into your hands. Yeah, look, look at the word. He says, I, I commit my spirit. King James says, I, I commend my spirit. This word here is, I entrust it to you. I, I'm trusting you with all of it, all that I am on the inside, my core, my being, my spirit. God, I'm trusting it to you because I know you're near. Ah, that's what Paul says in Philippians 4. Philippians 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your continence or your gentleness be known to all because the Lord is near. And when you know God is near, then you don't have to worry. When you know God is near, you don't have to be anxious. In fact, he says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, make your, make your request known to God and the peace of God. Let me say that one more time. And the peace of, I said it too fast. You didn't catch it, huh? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus because he's the keeper. He's, he's able to, Tim, that's you? Man, good to see you. Uh, he's able to, to hold you. He's able to keep you. That's what we hear in the text. But Jesus says, into your hands I commit my spirit. And so here, Peter reminds us in 1 Peter 5 and 6, to humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that in the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. It doesn't matter what others say about you. When you see the cross and the sacrifice of the Savior, what he's saying is he cares for you. When you take a journey to the cross and you're looking for love, redemption, and forgiveness, all you have to do is look at your Savior because he cares for you. And I got to admit that everybody around the cross, everybody who journeys to the cross, they may not get it. But there are some people in here that when you look up, you, you get it. Well, at least somebody in the text got it because right there in Luke chapter 23, verse 48, it, say, it says to us, well, before we get to verse 48, uh, keep, looking, keep looking in the text where the centurion in verse 47 when he saw what had taken place, he praised God saying, certainly this man was 
innocent. I like the way Mark and Matthew says it, that when the centurion saw Jesus and all that was happening to Jesus, he said, surely this is the Son of God. He made a confession because when you see Jesus for yourself and see the sacrifice of love he made for you and for me, then you know that no one else could have done it but God. God did it for you because he loves you, but he's not the only one around the cross. And here's my concern, because there are others who heard what Jesus said. They saw what Jesus did. They were convicted, but he went home unchanged. They were a part of the crowd. And every moment God gives you to come into this sacred space, as we turn our attention to his word, we have a choice of whether or not we're going to be committed or we're going to be part of the crowd. Because when you're committed, you see Jesus as your Savior. You see him as your Redeemer. You see him as the one who died for your sins, that you would be forgiven and be in the family of God. And I pray for you each and every week that when we gather in this place, we don't be like the crowd. We go home and we say, that was was, was a good worship. I, I felt good about the worship. I like the music. I, I felt good about what was going on. Baby, when you come up in here, it's not about you. Uh, it's not about you because you didn't die on the cross. You didn't redeem mankind. It's all about him. And when we come in this place, we ought to make it about him. It's what he wants, what he says, what, what he desires, what is his will. And his will is that you know him. His will is that you you come to him. He wants you to know that no matter what the season is, no matter what the setting is in your life, you can find him. Christ cries loud in the darkness so that those around the cross would hear him. Here, that they could be in relationship with him. And once in relationship with him, they're in relationship with the Father. Some of us in here, we, we know about him. But we really haven't taken the opportunity to know him. I want to invite you to know a Savior who did the ultimate for you came, he healed, and then he sacrificed his life that you and I, through him, might be able to have the abundant life, the life with God as our Father, the Holy Spirit as our guide, and Jesus as our Savior. I invite you to stand all over the building if you can. Christ said, into your hands I commit my spirit. Today, some of us need to commit our lives to him. So in a moment, I ask you to bow your heads. Just bow your heads all over the building. And if that's, if that's you, 
you've been dealing in a dark place, you place without hope, and you find that you, you feel all alone. You wonder if God sees you, and you wonder if God knows what you're going through. All, all heads bow. I, I want you to know that God not only sees you, but he cares for you. And he, wanna guide, he wants to guide you out of the darkness that you might experience his deliverance. That you might know him personally. For the word of God says, anyone who call on the name of Jesus shall be saved. So the moment I'm praying for you, that you make that decision. You make the decision to declare Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And experience the transforming work that only Christ can give. Grace Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we call upon you. Thanking you so much for the sacrifice that you've given for each and every one of us. That if we only just believe in you, you would, you would accept us. You would forgive us. You would cleanse us. You, you'd make us your own. And so right now, I ask that you call your children out of the darkness into the marvelous light. That they will know of your love, receive your peace, and know that they're chosen by you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforce.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus in person on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.